It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Happy live Thursday, Levin. What's up, Statsy? How are you doing on Thursday? You've already been live once today, I saw. Yeah, well, I go live every Thursday with Steph on her channel, the 49 Carrots channel, which you should subscribe to, by the way, and like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel as well. We're going to dive into Kyle Shanahan's comments about Steve Wilkes. Kyle Shanahan's comments about the mental toughness of this team and, of course, the quarterback situation. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your pods. If you want to help the show, leave us a five-star review and a rating on Apple Pods. If you do, we will read it on the show. This one comes from Rob from the City. Five stars, honesty and insight. Come to this pod mostly for Rob's passion and honesty about our Niners. He speaks for many of us out here who also see both the team's exceptional accomplishments and their sometimes spectacular failures. Love that Rob doesn't sugarcoat the low points, but also revels in the Niners' many heights. Levin never fails to provide insightful analysis. I learn something from him nearly every week. And who doesn't love Mimosa Michelle, the network's consistent ray of sunshine? Keep up the good work, y'all. Red and gold till the day I die. Rob P., SF born and raised. Cool. Good review. Cool. That's your analysis. Yeah. Would you rather me say cool beans? I guess this will be one of the weeks that Rob doesn't learn anything from you, but I guess nobody bats a thousand. All right. That that happens like every day. Yes. People don't see our text messages when I am teaching you everything, you know. Yo, yeah. That's what's (laughs) happening. (laughs) All right, let's just get right back into it, Levin. I mean, 
we were all blindsided yesterday when Kyle Shanahan gets up and starts running through the list of injuries. And how about Kyle, too? Just the way he did it. You know, Debo's not going to play. Greenlaw's going to have a rest day. Oh, yeah, by the way, Brock's in the concussion protocol. And everybody's like, wait, what? What the hell happened? And then, bam, that's been the story in 49 land for the next day and a half. Your initial response to the news that Brock, while he still has time to be cleared this week, it seems unlikely as we uh, do this show on Thursday afternoon. He's not going to play. But let's just, if he plays, there's some shenanigans that happen. I, I saw a tweet uh, that 25% of players that suffer a concussion make it back for the very next week since they introduced this concussion protocol. But it's been significantly less this year where the NFL is taking it a little more seriously. I didn't give an exact number for this year. There's only been a few players that have been able to make it back same week. For Brock, he has one less day. And that one less day is massively huge. Because a lot of the players that do get cleared, that 25%, they don't get cleared till Saturday. Saturday is when they get cleared. That's when they go through the final test and, all right, you're good to go. Well, he doesn't get that because for him, the Saturday that he would get cleared is actually Sunday since they're one day behind. So there, there's just I, I don't see there's any way that he plays this weekend. You're muted. Damn. <laughs> ah. This week's off to a good start. Uh, Adam Schefter had the tweet yesterday. First, he tweeted that nobody had come back. And then people pointed out that that was incorrect. So it turns out he did a little research before sending off a tweet to his millions of followers. And yeah, 25 percent of players. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So far this season, several players have returned for the next game. Passing through the protocol is the criterion dependent, not time dependent. And that was the thing that I was trying to find, Levin, because I tweeted out um, the graphic that the NFL has for what the five stages of the return to play are that you have to pass. But it doesn't have a timeline. It doesn't say like one day after concussion, you have to do this. Two day. It just says you have to pass these five stages. And it's basically no activity, a little activity, a little more activity. And you basically ramp things up as you go through the five stages. So I, I don't know, like, can they, can they move things along quickly enough to where he gets cleared on Friday or Saturday? It's possible. It's possible. But like I said, I, I just don't think it's going to happen because one, they didn't even, I think the worst part of it is that they said he didn't even show symptoms until he was on the plane. Yes. Right. So it's like a delayed concussion so to speak. I mean, obviously he felt the effects right away to a certain degree, but didn't realize, Hey, something's off here until he was on the plane. Like they let him do the post-game interviews. If he had had a concussion, he would not have done those. So they had no clue. Like that much is the truth. They had no idea he had a concussion until much later. So that to me is worrisome. And that's why like, there's no way he plays this weekend. Like this could be one that lingers. We won't know that everybody's different it's impossible to predict how each person uh reacts to a concussion but the fact that it was delayed is concerning like it's not just a hey i got hit i felt a little bit off right away i recovered quickly but i'm in the protocol no it's you got hit and you didn't even feel it until later waltony 101 watching on my twitch page gsn 49er shout out to all our twitch viewers and listeners trying to make a little vein in my forehead explode by saying why bother risking it when you've got such a stud waiting in the wings we'll get to sam darnold in a minute thank you for just raising my blood pressure but you're right and that was something i was going to point out 
when you have a concussion, you can be very sensitive to lights. And so that's why they don't let you do the post-game press conference because there's TV lights in there and there's cameras and all that stuff. So they usually don't let you do that. The fact that they put Brock out there means that they didn't know. And so, yeah, you're right. People, I think, you know, didn't really, I don't want to say they didn't believe it, but you know, we got the first word that the symptoms didn't appear till he was on the plane. I think people were skeptical about that because Levin, there are a lot of people that I think are making a mistake. And I, I think it's something that we should talk about if we're going to evaluate this team objectively. A lot of people out there are saying, oh, he got concussed on the quarterback sneak. That's why he threw those two interceptions. He was playing great before that. I think that's a mistake. First of all, because we don't know how much the concussion was affecting him at that point to just say that's the entire reason he threw those passes. And second of all, it's not like Brock hasn't made multiple similar throws in his career. They may not have been actually caught by the defense, but he's made those throws before. I I think it's impossible to say either way. I had a back and forth, just a little brief one with uh, Brad Graham yesterday about it. Like, look. I played sports. I didn't play at the NFL level, but I had many concussions, a lot more that were undiagnosed because I played, you know, mostly my playing career was mostly 90s before they really cared about concussions. But in soccer, they happen pretty frequently from heading the ball. I actually, on my own, when I was like 12, 13 years old, I started avoiding heading the ball. Like I would purposely mistime my jumps, but just <laughs> like affect the guy next to me so that he couldn't also get it because I would feel dazed and woozy for you know anywhere from 30 seconds to a couple minutes after especially like the goalie kicks which they've actually banned that now at the lower levels when a goalie punts the ball they're fine they've done studies and yeah they get minor concussions from heading the ball so at the lower levels they're not allowing kids to head those it's illegal to head them because you get minor concussions from that but i've had concussions anywhere from very minor like that where after like 30 seconds or so i feel perfectly normal and i don't have any lasting anything Two ones that literally knocked me on my ass. I was out of it. I have gaps in my memory from when it happened. Like I had no memory of one time somebody took a volley shot, which if you know soccer, volley shots are a lot easier to get speed on it. So the ball was probably traveling close to 100 miles an hour. And there was a C in front of me and it parted, I guess. This is what I've been told. Hit me directly in the face. All I know is I'm standing there during a free kick. And the next thing I know, I was on all fours facing the other direction in the goal with only the second bloody nose I've ever had in my life. That one lasted a while. That one affected me. That one, I, I didn't keep playing. I was sitting on, on the bench, struggling to stay awake. And my teammates are, you know, keeping me awake and things like that. So I don't know what severity he has. If it was a minor one, like what I was talking about in the beginning, I don't think it would affect his, his decision-making. If it was a more serious one, which the violence of the hit that we've seen that people are suspecting is it, leads me to believe maybe it was a little more violent one, then yeah, I think that would affect him because your brain is very slow. And they the reason why they describe it this way is because it does feel that way. It feels like you're in a fog. You yes. can't get your brain to think correctly. We, we don't know, right? We don't know the severity of the concussion. We have no idea. But I think it's just a mistake to say, well, that's why he threw those two interceptions. We, we have no idea. And again, 23-year-old quarterbacks throw interceptions. It's okay. It's okay to say Brock made a bad throw. Like, we can we get there as a fan base? We, we don't have to have Brock Purdy as, like, this perfect quarterback all the time. It's okay. Every quarterback has bad throws, bad interceptions, bad decisions. I just think it's 
it's weird to me that people are like, oh, nope, that's why that's why I threw the interception. Doesn't count. Forget all the good throws he made after he was concussed. Nope, nope, nope. Like, I just think that's very strange. I'm not surprised by it. Are you surprised that a certain segment of the fan base instantly wants to excuse everything bad that happened for a 49ers player? There's part of the fan base that's always going to go that way. Part of content creation that's always going to spin it positive. And I think I've said it before. I think in terms of the content creation, there's room for all of that. There's room for the Grant Cone and there's room for the people that are overly positive and there's the room for those of us in the middle. And I think all of that goes into one big pot and that's why 49ers content is the best in the league. This concussion thing? Yeah, I'm not surprised that people instantly went, ah, fully excused for both interceptions. (laughs) Not his fault at all. We don't have to do that. There, There is a happy middle ground that we could live in. So, For the purposes of our discussion, let's just assume that Brock Purdy is not able to go. Yeah, we don't Uh, need a Tua situation. Don't play him because if you play him too soon, you're it's. I mean, there's a variety that varies, but you're much more likely to get one if you recently had one. So if you bring him back too soon, he's much more likely to get one this next week. You got the bye week after this. Give him what would be essentially three weeks off to make sure you don't have a Tua situation. Because if he gets another one this week, his season's probably over. Yeah, I mean, that's not a season's over and his health is, you know, you're talking potential serious consequences. Nobody wants to see that. Uh, Kyle did say that he'd be willing to put Brock in there even if he couldn't practice all week. And he even cited the short week Thursday night game against the Seahawks last year where Brock played without throwing at all or practicing or anything. So it sounds like if he can get cleared at all, Kyle will be willing to play him. Uh, but let's just assume it's Sam Darnold. <sighs> what, what are we thinking? I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to have to be talking about that guy. It, it is what it is. I, I will say that luckily... Cleveland is one of the worst rush defenses in the league. So run the damn ball, Kyle. Give Jordan Mason some opportunities. Keep your guys fresh. Don't run Christian McCaffrey into the ground. Give him some rest by using Jordan Mason and run the ball down the Bengals' throat. I hope they do. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, look, Cincinnati is going to be gearing up to stop the run now because of that. I'm sure, you know, Kyle's game plan is going to want to be run the ball, don't have Sam Darnold put the ball in harm's way. Short throws, easy completions, build the confidence. And then on the other side, since he's going to go, you know what they're going to want to do? Run the ball, throw the ball short, build up his confidence. Like, you're not going to fool anybody with what that game plan is going to be. You'd certainly feel a lot better about it if one of the guys he was throwing too short was Debo Samuel, but obviously that's not going to be a thing. And I, I will say this about Sam Darnold, because anybody that's watched any stream we've done or listened to any podcast, you know my thoughts on Sam Darnold. I don't think he's very good. Can he be passable for any one game? Yes. Can he be absolutely horrible and cost you the game for any one game? Yes. That's the scariest thing about this. There is a world where Darnold goes out and throws for 250 yards and two touchdowns. Sure. I mean, Brock had a touchdown last week. He threw it behind the line of scrimmage to Christian McCaffrey, and he was basically untouched the whole way. Like, I'm not saying that that's not possible, but the floor is also extremely, extremely low for Sam Darnold. And he could take a game that maybe the defense is doing their job and kicking ass and all that stuff, and he could torpedo it for the 49ers. And that's what scares me. Can we just put to bed 
this stupid, moronic topic this week where people are saying, oh, if Sam Darnold comes out and plays great, he's going to remain the starter. They're not going back to Purdy if Darnold does awesome because Kyle's sick of Purdy. And you know damn well who's put, who started pushing that narrative because you talked to him yesterday. It's BS. There is zero chance Darnold remains the starter if Purdy is fully healthy after the bye. Darnold could go out and throw five touchdowns and 400 yards. Kyle's not going to turn it over to him. It's ridiculous. I, that topic has been pissing me the hell off all this week. Don't even sit there and say you agree with it. Because you, you think there's a chance that a fully healthy Purdy doesn't get his starting job back after one game, then you've lost your mind. I don't think it goes, Sam Darnold plays awesome, and Kyle says, we are benching Brock Purdy. Sam's the new starter because he's proven it. That's not what would happen. You know how it would go, Levin. It would be, Sam played awesome. We're not sure Brock is 100%. We don't know if he can get cleared yet. We want to be very cautious with his health. Sam's going to start until Brock is fully healthy and ready to go. And if Sam has another good game, then Brock Purdy may not still be healthy. And if Sam stinks... All of a sudden, boom, Brock will get cleared and be ready to go. Because don't forget, there's two parts to pass the concussion protocol. You have to get cleared by the independent neurologist. You also have to get cleared by the team physician. If the Niners don't want somebody cleared, they can get the team physician not to clear him. He works for the team, okay? If you don't think that happens, trust me, it does. So I don't think that Kyle would outright say, we're benching Brock, it's over. I just think it would be a, hey, Brock may need another week. Let's see if Sam Darnold can keep this going. No, there's zero chance he's turning away from Purdy because Purdy is the future. Darnold is a free agent after this year. He's not going to stay with Darnold. You have guys like Warner going out, and Warner was talking on his show that he does with his wife about how he has Purdy's back and all this. You lose the locker room if you bench Purdy after a single start from Darnold. And you can say, oh, they wouldn't phrase it that way. The team would know. The team would know damn well whether or not it's a real benching or whether or not he's actually cleared. There's zero chance. You would lose the locker room. The locker room doesn't care. Dude, Purdy doesn't have the same kind of equity with this locker room that Jimmy Garoppolo had. Jimmy Garoppolo pulled the team from the depths of losing, right? They were like one and nine when Jimmy Garoppolo took over. They were hideously bad. And then he came in and they started winning immediately starting with his first start. That built up the equity the Niners were already good when Brock Purdy took over so it's not the same thing I don't think he has the same kind of equity in the locker room Purdy hasn't looked terrible like Garoppolo did 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 that uh equity come right away with with Garoppolo yeah probably because of what you said but the fact is Purdy has not looked as bad as Garoppolo looked I agree but I still think Garoppolo had more equity because the team was coming from a worse position Brock just kept the train on the tracks but if Purdy hasn't played that bad, then the team's not going to be like, oh, that guy that was so good for us and we we're winning a bunch of games and we got cheated by the football gods out of a chance of winning a Super Bowl with him. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and go away from him, even though he's not playing poorly. No, you wouldn't have the support of the locker room in that. What are they going to do about it? Break apart, probably. Like this I mean, is a team on the brink, I think. That, oh. that was one thing I was going to get to today. If they go five and three, I'm extremely worried, like alarms at all time levels with this regime, because when you are so close to glory so many times and it doesn't go your way, and we've already seen a few cracks 
with the defense not really having Wilkes back. I wouldn't say they quite criticized, but they came darn close multiple times in the post-game press conference. And you see Kyle basically saying, yeah, Wilkes messed up. I think if they go five and three, they go into a bye week on a three-game losing streak. I think there's going to be a lot of finger pointing that goes on. Maybe they can get through that and go into a winning streak and that fixes everything because they did that a few years ago, right? But I think at some point that doesn't work. You don't go on the winning streak. You end up breaking apart because people are getting older. They know this might be their last chance and they start finger pointing saying, you guys aren't doing it. You guys aren't doing it. It's your fault, not my fault. Jason PDSI YouTube channel member says, I fully expect Shanahan to go full Harbaugh on Brock if Darnold plays well. So he kind of agrees more with me. You mentioned the comment, Kyle Shanahan, talking about Steve Wilkes. If you didn't see it, yesterday Kyle Shanahan had a press conference and he was asked, hey, did you talk with Steve Wilkes about that zero blitz at the end of the first half against the Vikings? Here was Kyle Shanahan's response. He, he knows. You guys, I think, talk to him tomorrow. Uh, he knows he messed up on that call. I have no problem with zero blitzes, um, um, especially when people need a lot of yards. You know, if you need to get 20 yards to kick a field goal, I have no problem with a zero blitz. Um, but I do when there's 16 seconds left, and I, that's where he lost track. There was no necessary need for that just because of the time. I have no problem with the call. Gotta, but, I mean, I have no problem with that play call, but when it's that time, you can't do that. It's not an option. I have no problem with Kyle saying that, by the way. Wilkes did screw up. I have no problem with him saying it publicly, but there are people out there that think that there is a tension possibly between Shanahan and Wilkes. It's not the first time Kyle Shanahan has talked about being disappointed in the defense or the defensive coordinator. I don't know. I, to me, I think Kyle's right. And I like that. He said that now I think his, his statements would, would maybe be more well-received if he also more frequently said, I screwed up. I was wrong about this. I need to be better. But I think Wilkes did screw up, and I don't think it's wrong of Kyle to say it. No, I don't think it's wrong at all. It, I mean, I'm I'm the kind of brutal, honest one anyway, so that's how I run. If I screw up, I want you to tell me I screwed up, right? Um, so I, I don't have a problem with it. I do have one point on uh, Wilkes that I didn't realize until today, actually, from our, our friend Javi. Do you know the last time Wilkes called defensive plays at the NFL level prior to this season? I had thought he had done that with Carolina last so year, but yeah. apparently I'm wrong. Right. He did not call plays with Carolina last year. It's when he became the interim head coach, he took play calling duties away and had the defensive coordinator leave. And he, one of his other fellow assistant defensive coordinator or defensive coaches took over play calling duties. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, that would be Holcomb, who's now, I think, the defensive coordinator for Buffalo, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I took that. I remember reading that they were changing play calling duties with Wilkes being promoted last year. I thought incorrectly that that meant Wilkes was the play caller. Not the case. It's been since 2019 with the Cleveland Browns. Four years in the NFL, that's a long time. Thomas Latrail says, if I'm Wilkes, I tell Shanahan to score more than 17 effing points. It's not incorrect in that one. And and you can have problems with the defense, and I think some of those are justified, but they're third in points allowed this year. Like, only two other teams are giving up less points than the 49ers so far this year. And ultimately, that is a defense's job, right? It's, yes, you would like to give up 
less yards. But at the end of the day, it's about keeping the other team off the scoreboard. And only two teams have done a better job of that than the 49ers this year. So I get the frustration, but we also need to have a little perspective, I think. Okay, how about this for perspective? Who have they played? Not Steve Wilkes' fault. Right. Steve Wilkes but fault. that you gotta you gotta take everything. You gotta take all perspective. So going forward, is it a huge positive that well, you know, they're not actually giving up points? Or is the context to that that yeah, they haven't given up a lot of points, but that's also a big reason for that is because they played quarterbacks all season. Them not being able to get sacks is huge because what how do you stop an elite quarterback there's one way there's only one way you stop the elite quarterbacks in this league that's to get them on the ground before they can make a pass you're not stopping the elite quarterbacks with all the rule changes by just shutting them down and making incompletions and pass breakups all the time you shut down the elite quarterbacks by getting sacks and that is completely disappeared from this team that is very alarming going forward as they start to play better and better quarterbacks starting this week with Joe Burrow. So to me, yeah, you can sit here and say, well, they've only allowed the third most po- or third. They've allowed the th- third least amount of points. So they're good. This is all overblown. Or you can say, yeah, they've done that, but they've also played a whole bunch of terrible quarterbacks, including backup PJ Walker. And they're not getting sacks. They've played back to back weeks against an offensive line. The one wasn't performing all that well prior Two was missing at least one starter. And yet they didn't get anything done. I'm not telling you the defense is perfect. I said that there's problems. They are not sacking quarterbacks. I get all of that, but don't blame Steve Oaks for something that hasn't happened yet. Like you're saying they might give up more points in the future. Okay. But right now I'm saying he's getting too much criticism. He should definitely get some. I think he's been getting too much. You don't wait for something to bite you in the butt. You fix it before it can happen. Right now, if you look at this defense, you should be very concerned about their ability to shut down an elite offense. And that's what it's going to take to win these big games, especially in the playoffs when you face elite quarterbacks and good offenses on the regular. Right now, what we're seeing is not a team that's going to be able to shut down the great quarterbacks because the great quarterbacks, if you play soft coverage, they're going to eat you alive on that soft coverage. And the Niners are playing soft coverage over and over and over again. And I think it's naive and stupid at this point. You should know better than play soft coverage in the NFL in today's world. The quarterbacks are too good. And then on top of that, they're not getting to the quarterback. So that's making them have easier times to find the guys and find that open guy because there's always somebody open against this defense right now. So you can say that while it hasn't been a big problem, right? But the point is, is that it is going to be a big problem. It is a problem. They've given up more points than they should have. Even though they're still ranking good, they've done worse than they should have. And that's going to get much worse when they play the better offenses. The highest point total they've given up so far is 23 points to the Rams who kicked a field goal on the final play of the game. That field goal just continues to make me mad because it just ruins like all the stats and I have to always add that explanation. It's very frustrating. This is the big problem, I think, with the 49ers defense. They have not married the coverage plan to the pass rushing plan. And what I mean by that is what you talked about. You can send four and say, we're going to get after the pass rush. But if you play soft coverage, you're giving the quarterback easy answers when he says, oh, no, here comes the pass rush. He has an easy option to get rid of the ball, and that guy's going to be open to catch it because you're playing soft coverage. When you need 
your pass rush to get home with four, you want to be up on the wide receivers and jam them. So the quarterback says, oh no, and then looks around and has no one to throw to and has to hold onto the ball, which gives your pass rush time to get there. This is the thing, Levin. Steve Wilkes is not stupid. I'm sure he knows this. Like, why did he think that would work would be my question. That's really alarming to me. Is he somebody that's really stubborn? Hey, I'm a secondary guy because that's what he is. I play this type of coverage. I'm not changing. And at the same time, the Niners said, hey, our defensive line does great with this wide nine. You're not changing that. So it feels to me like Wilkes is being really stubborn and saying, this is my bread and butter. This is what I know. This is the type of coverages I do. I'm not changing it. And like you said, it doesn't marry to what the defensive line is doing. And you don't want to change what the defensive line is doing because that's where all the money's been spent because that's what they want to dominate the games. To me, if you want proof that alarm bells are sounding, Kyle Shanahan changed the meeting schedule so that he can be in those defensive meetings. And that, to me, tells me he's not confident in Wilkes to make the right adjustments and decisions going forward. I didn't see that. Can you say, where did you see that? It was in his press conference yesterday. I saw it reported that he changed it so that he can be in some of the defensive uh, meetings during the week. Oh, boy, that's not a good sign. I mean, it's a good sign that Kyle is trying to rectify an issue, but it's not a good sign that he's been happy with what's been going on and uh, that maybe Wilkes has, has been a good fit or hasn't been a good fit. The other thing is this, and I think people are overlooking this because I think we have an image of the what the 49ers defense was in our heads from last year that's not accurate. Here is my point. If you look at the 49ers defense last year, just in terms of sacks, and again, we all know sacks are not the end-all, be-all, but they are very important. If you look at them just in terms of sacks, it was basically Nick Bosa and nothing else. If you're watching on the stream, you could see Nick Bosa, 18 and a half sacks last year. Led the team, was fantastic. Next on that list was Samson Ebukam. He only had five. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Next on that list was Charles Amenehu. He only had four and a half. He's gone. Next on that list is Drake Jackson. He had three. Guess how many sacks Drake Jackson has right now? Three. So the idea that this whole defensive line is underperforming is not true, Levin. They're actually performing exactly as they performed last year. The problem was that was hidden because Bosa was so damn good that we didn't notice it as much. Uh, yes and no. I think there was a lot of, a lot of players that came in and in their part-time duty did a good job. So on an actual like rep basis, most plays somebody else was doing something because they were fresh all the time between Ebukam and Ominahu and Drake Jackson. I mean, all three of those are defensive ends. You got 12 and a half sacks out of those three guys filling that spot opposite of Bosa a large majority of the time. Right. So that spot was still productive. It was just spread out amongst multiple people. This year, that spot has not been productive outside of week one. That's been the biggest problem. That spot has not been able to make a a difference on any kind of consistency. And the bigger problem to me is the inside, because that's where the money has been spent. And that's where you need to have them stepping up because teams are blocking Bosa they're chipping and double teaming they're pretty much saying Bosa's not going to do it and until you punish us elsewhere we're not going to change and that's where the uh Hargrave and Armstead should be dominating and they're not that to me is where I really point the finger because yeah you can point the finger at Drake Jackson but in the end he's a second year player that was a second round pick for a reason 
So if he's not panning out, like it means he just wasn't that good. Armstead and Hargrave, you know they're good enough. You know they should be difference makers, and they're getting paid as difference makers, and they're not being that. So to me, that's where I point the finger. Well, I would like to see some more sacks from Javon Hargrave, even some more pressure. Excuse me. Like against Minnesota, I didn't see pressure up the middle from Javon Hargrave. I didn't see pressure from anybody anywhere. And like, yes, I get it that teams are doing things. The Vikings did things to neutralize the 49ers defensive line. I'm tired of somebody saying, well, you just do one thing schematically and that can totally neutralize all your good players and there's nothing you can do about it. Good players have always been schemed against from the beginning of time in football and the good ones produce despite that. Jerry Rice got double teamed. Travis Kelsey gets double teamed. Game plans were made for Steve Young and Joe Montana and all those guys. And guess what? They still found a way to produce. So don't tell me you could just do one or two things schematically and Brandon IU can't catch a pass in the second half or the defensive line can't get pressure. I'm tired of that excuse. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Going back to one of the earlier points, too, one point I want to make about what we saw this past week, if the opposing quarterback is able to diagnose exactly what you're going to do pre-snap every single freaking play, then you're being a little too vanilla, and you're also, because it's off coverage, making it too easy on them. You know, if you play man coverage and they're lined up, you don't know who's going to be open. That takes time to get through your reads to find the open guy, if there is one. When you play zone, especially a soft zone, then a good quarterback will be able to diagnose and go, all right, that's where the open spot's going to be. Hopefully my wide receiver recognizes that too and sits down in that spot when he gets to it in his route. And then he knows exactly where he's going pre-snap. That's what Purdy excels at. And that's what Kirk Cousins was doing over and over again every single play. He was able to know, and we talked about that on the Instant React, he knew where he was going with the ball 95% of snaps before the snap. And that, to me, when it's that obvious and he's able to do it that consistently with that much success, that falls on the defensive coordinator. That's a scheme issue when the opposing quarterback's able to do that pre-snap with regularity. It does seem like people are not confused by what the 49ers are doing. And that is very upsetting because I, especially I thought at the end of the D'Amico Ryan's era, He was awesome at that. He would have Greenlaw and Warner up at the line of scrimmage at the snap. So there would be six guys at the line of scrimmage or five guys at the line of scrimmage, depending on how the Niners lined up. And the quarterback didn't know who's coming and who's not coming. And that was a great way to, again, make the quarterback have to hold the ball for a little bit. A great way to give the people that were rushing time to get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Because he had to snap the ball and then look, oh my God, okay, who's dropping back? Who's rushing? Okay, now that I know that, now what's the play? Where do I go with the ball? Just that little delay that the quarterback has to make helps. 
And it, it did last year. And it doesn't seem to be that they, they're just missing that extra second and they, maybe they can get it back somehow, but they got to find it fast because this entire defense is built to get pressure, particularly with four. If you can't do that, the secondary is not good enough against anybody to sustain. I mean, they could just go out and get an actual great pass rusher for the other side. That that's a big solution there. I You're not going to be able to double team Hargrave, which I think Hargrave is getting double teamed at the highest rate of any defensive tackle in the league. Um, but you're not going to be able to double team Hargrave, Bosa, and say a Brian Burns or a Montez Sweat or a, um, uh, I'm forgetting his last name, or actually first Brian name, Burns? Chase. Chase Young? Chase Young, thank you. You're not going to be able to double team all of them. So to me, that's the solution. And the Niners absolutely should. Like, you need to put some chips in the pot. There's a first round pick this year. Doesn't mean you have to trade it. I'm saying you have draft capital. So go out and get that piece that you need because it's clear the team needs it. And I think that would help a lot. But obviously, to me, like you said, it's not the right marriage. You have coverage wanting to play the game one way, and you have the defensive line wanting to play it another way, and they're not meshing together. And it's creating too easy of a time for the quarterback to know where to go with the ball. And maybe they can huddle up during the bye week and get their heads on straight. Yeah, here's the huddle. Kyle Shanahan in the defensive meeting saying, what the hell are you doing? Right. I mean, you would think this should be an easy fix. So I I need to see that. I didn't come across that. I'm going to find more out because, like, that's a big deal. That's Shanahan tightening the leash, so to speak, on Steve Wilkes. That's, like, the first step towards a firing, you know? That's like when you get called into the boss's office and you get, like, a, a progress report in your file or a note in your file. Like, that's not good for the confidence that the head has in the defensive coordinator. Cinema Pigeon says, Sam Francisco era, league ain't ready. I'm joking. I don't know what's worse, Trey area or Sam Francisco. (laughs) Uh, How about neither? (laughs) Yeah, neither one is that great. Uh, Chris Maldonado, YouTube channel member. Shout out to you, Chris. I thought for sure our D-line would dominate after getting Javon Hargrave. I really wish we'd get a corner before the trade deadline, but I highly doubt it. For people saying Patrick Sertain is not available. He's not available. Uh-huh. So that is not happening. It was never going to happen. Uh, it stinks, but very frustrating. Uh, I think they are going to make a move. I've said this repeatedly. I don't know who they're going to go get, and I don't think it's going to be a Christian McCaffrey-type move, but I think they'll get somebody, whether it's a tackle, whether it's a corner, whether it's a pass rusher, they're going to add some piece. I don't think that that they're just going to stand pat. Like there's too much urgency I, from what we've been told, right? What they have told us all year about this being a Super Bowl window. There's too much yeah. urgency in that way. So I think they will do something. I don't know what that is, though. They got to do something. I think it's clear this team's not quite where they thought they would be. And there's not as much depth, especially in the secondary. We've talked about that. To me, I think you make two moves. You go out and you get whoever the cheapest one is amongst the Chase Young, Montez Sweat. And you go out and you get another uh, cornerback. Because as we've talked about, an injury to Lenore or Mooney Ward, this defense is effed. There's (laughs) nobody else. It's And corners aren't cheap. That's the problem. Corners aren't cheap, and there's not a lot of good ones that people are willing to give up. So that's a bad combination. Uh, Chris Maldonado also says Cincinnati's going to throw it all over us. It feels like Burrow, for those uh, wondering, Joe Burrow said he feels 100%. Cincinnati's coming off of their bye. 
That is just like the worst time. Like if you could have played Cincinnati week one, week two, week three, when Burrow was really banged up, that would have been a much better time. Now, supposedly he's feeling better. I was reading that they're doing less shotgun, that they're doing more under center with Joe Burrow, which he likes and feel, and is also a sign that that calf muscle is feeling better. Uh, it could get ugly because Burrow is damn good and the Cincinnati receivers are damn good. So if the 49ers don't get a pass rush, it's going to be a long Sunday. It's going to be a long bye week is what it's going to be. Yeah. That's what I'm scared of. Like, they lose this game. I'm going to be miserable for two weeks, even more so than normal. So, like, I, I just – five and three, I don't know how you feel. Like, I, I've made my point. I think this team, if they go five, into the bye week five and three, you know, it's nothing's guaranteed. But I'm about as confident as I am on anything that they're not going to rebound. They might still make the playoffs because enough teams make the playoffs these days that you can squeak in. But my my thought is that they're not a Super Bowl contender anymore. That team has too many, too much, I guess, infighting, people not doing their jobs, taking things for granted. I just, I, I don't see how they can recover from five and three and get back to being this dominant team. I am not willing to go that far, by the way. Chris says, preach Levin the truth, Black. You, sir, are the GOAT. That's a damn lie, but we appreciate the super <laughs> chat nonetheless, Chris. I think that too many people are saying, oh, we're a second-half team. Look what we did the last two years. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Like I, You can't count on that, these amazing runs in the second half of the year every year. You can't just assume that's going to happen. Those things are very rare. That's what makes them special at the time. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Levin. How many times during the winning streak did we say, appreciate this. Don't take it for granted. This isn't always how life is in the NFL. Now we're in the dark times. Okay. But I think if you go into the buy five and three, what you've done is you've, you've used up all the cushion that you had that, that five and zero start had you, you've, you've wasted a lot of that five and zero start. Frankly, if you go into the bye week six and two, you're okay. You are okay if you go into the bye week six and two. Would yeah. you agree with that? Like as, as rocky as it may have been for the last two weeks, six and two going into your bye, everything they want is still achievable for them. Yeah. If they get to six and two, especially beating a team that I think most of the league views as a Super Bowl contender in the Bengals when Burton Alaburo is healthy, like there's a lot of respect for that Bengals team around the league. You hear players talk about it every week about that Bengals team. So I think there's a lot of respect there. So I think that gives them even extra confidence going into the bye week. Like, hey, we righted the ship. We just beat a really good team. We're good to go. I, I do feel like it should be said that this team is doing the same thing that they've done all the other years. They just did it at the start. You kind of hinted on it. But the players, the players talked about how this year they're being different, that they've, yeah, they've kind of taken things for granted at the beginning of each season, thinking things would just come. And then they had to focus when their backs were against the wall and they were able to then go on a win streak and all that. Well, they won five games. They got full of themselves. Yep. They turned off the heat. Mm -hmm. They started taking things for granted like they normally do at the start of the season. And now it's a question, can they flip it and get back to being dominant? I don't know. There's only so many times you can push that button, right? There's That's, only so many charges in, in something like that. I totally agree. They wanted to focus on coming out of the gate strong, and they did. And then they were like, oh, all right, we're good. Mm, no, I mean, Bosa said it. He literally said it after the game, that they were smelling their flowers, that they thought they were the team they needed to be after five weeks. And then they got humbled twice. 
And the key is, are they actually humbled? Or are they just paying lip service, right? Are they actually saying we need to go to work and grind and not take things for granted? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. Well, we'll find out. Cynthia, YouTube channel member, says Kyle is wrong for calling out Steve Wilkes publicly. Sam playing Sunday, we're screwed. Kyle is wrong for calling out Wilkes publicly. Sam playing Sunday, we're screwed. Love the show. Thank you very much, Cynthia. Um, I don't think we're screwed with Sam Darnold. That's not where I want to be. I don't think it's as good as Purdy. I, I will say this. Half the time, Darnold can play every bit as good as Purdy can play. <laughs> right. So you got a 50-50 shot that you're going to have a quarterback out there that's playing as good as Purdy would play, doing everything that Purdy would have done, right? It's the other half of the time that's the problem for Darnold. Eric says, 49ers are going to be just fine. Just clickbait. What? 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 Clickbait? Clickbait is positive stuff. I hate to break it to you, Eric. Clickbait is positive. Okay. Uh, no. You disagree? Yep. Oh, I don't. If, if Clickbait, I want, if clickbait I want... is putting a window dressing out there, and then when you actually go to it, it's not what they made it out to be. That's clickbait. That can be positive or negative. Somebody could be saying, uh, like you could you could have a headline out there saying, Shanahan's taking over defensive meetings. And then you click it, and it's just him saying that he changed the schedule so that he can get in most defensive meetings. That doesn't mean what the, or the headline would have been. That's clickbait. But people only call clickbait stuff stuff that's negative. They never say something positive is clickbait. And in reality, if I wanted followers and likes and influence on social media, all I would do is put positive stuff out. I would just keep throwing it out there because you see there are people on Twitter that do it, that cover this team. They have way more followers than me. And all, all the cheerleaders have the high follower counts. It's true. All right. I want to I address this because Cynthia came back. She said, I have employees and I would never publicly humiliate them. I get what you're saying. Uh, when you're an NFL coach or just a professional coach and you're making millions of dollars and you have a weekly press conference multiple times a week, it's a little different than your normal employee, right? Wilkes isn't a normal employee. You can't compare it to a regular job. Part of his job is being public, being in front of the cameras. Just like you criticizing a politician or something like that is fine because there is actually in law, there are laws written for if you have a public life. Wilkes has a public life. He li- Part of his job is to be in front of the microphone and do interviews. So to me, yeah, you can call them out. Somebody messes up, call them out. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I agree. But Kyle didn't have to say he knows he screwed up, right? Kyle could have just said, hey, we talked about it. We think the better way to go is no zero blitz with 16 seconds left on the clock. Um, He could have phrased it differently if he wanted to. But I also don't have a problem with him saying like, hey, he screwed up. Now, he also needs to admit the times when he screws up. And people that are saying that the Niners haven't scored enough in the last two weeks are correct. You got to get to at least 20 points with three all pros and the offensive genius and all that stuff. Like, you have to. Have to. So both things can be true. Wilk screwed up. He needs to be better. Kyle's offense hasn't been good enough the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. The offense has not been getting the job done. There's been untimely penalties. There's been untimely turnovers. 
and there's just been not finishing the drive that then also results in a missed field goal. <laughs> so it, it's total team failure. It's special teams missing the kick. It's not getting in the end zone, so you're relying on your kicker to make the kick. It's, like I said, penalties, the holds, the uh, false starts that we have seen. Um, not getting the plays in fast enough. Not getting the plays in fast. That's true. That definitely happened a lot this past game, yeah. especially. Like, I, I don't understand that. Never have. Like, just call the damn play. <laughs> What's the problem? I don't like, understand. Why that. does a coach take 30 seconds to make up their mind what the play call is? Make the play call in the first 10 seconds, get it in, and give your quarterback time. This is what I don't understand. No matter how long your play calls are, every quarterback can wear a wristband with all the plays on it. I don't understand why you don't just go, Brock, 72, run 72, play number 72, and then Brock can just look, and then he can read the long play call right off his wristband. You don't have to relay the long play call over the radio system in the helmet, which may or may not go out, which you may or may not be able to hear. I don't know how anybody ever struggles to get a play in. To me, it seems like there's a there's a mechanism in place that would allow you to completely eliminate that possibility all the time. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, that sounds great on the surface, but it's also one of those areas that I'm personally not experienced in on whether or not there, there might be a very logical reasons why no team has ever done that. And you and I just aren't thinking of it in the moment. And somebody will respond with it and be like, oh, yeah, yep, that Please makes sense. Do. I would be, I would welcome it. Like, I'm, I'm I want to be educated. It just right. seems you because you could change the numbers every single week. So it's not the case of, oh, somebody got your wristband and now right. you're screwed. Just change the numbers every week, change the little things. I don't know, but it's also, I mean, part of it is, and maybe this is why, they have a lot of plays that have multiple options in it. And all those weird freaking words that you hear are telling you, okay, it's this coverage, it's this route for the X, it's this route for the Y, you know, and, and that is giving you the diagram of the play. And it might not be one that you pre-designed because you're changing the protection on this because of how the game has gone and what the defense is doing. You need to change the protection or you need to change this route or that route. And so the plays are too open to being changed in one little manner to ever put on a wristband and be that simple. I'm not saying there's no possibility I'm wrong. I'm saying it seems like an obvious fix. There must be a reason why that doesn't always work. And I'd like to know what it is. Uh, talking head says Levin in regard to Sam Darnold taking Brock Purdy's job after seven years of nonstop quarterback controversy and saga. I can't understand anyone who says there's something that may or may not happen at the quarterback position. How loyal was Kyle to Jimmy Garoppolo? That. It feels like now that Jimmy's gone, a lot of people pretend like, yeah, Kyle wanted to move on from him right away, but he didn't for four freaking years. He picked him over Brady. Right. Like Kyle is loyal. Once you, once he thinks you're the guy, he's loyal and it takes him a long time to go away from you. So yeah, I don't think he's going to go away from party because Sam Darnold comes in and does a good job. And I do think there is something to be said about the fact that Sam Darnold's a free agent to be. If you stick with him and he does it and you do well, now you got to pay him and that throws off the whole timeline of what they are planning. Purdy, I guarantee he believes in Purdy and that's the cheap option and the guy that's proven it already. He's played well. Sam Darnold hasn't proven anything other than he stinks. And yet here he is on the team. Um, as the backup, yeah. But nonetheless, why would you want a guy that stinks as a backup? 
If he stinks, I don't want him on my team at who all. Who has a backup that doesn't stink in the NFL? Uh, Most a teams have a starter who stinks. Desmond Ritter is getting defended like crazy by Arthur Smith. I don't know if you saw that press conference today. He literally said, I have more film on Desmond Ritter than anybody else because I'm his coach. And the only people that are saying that he's not doing well are people that don't know what they're watching. Desmond Ritter is playing like crap. A lot of teams have better backup quarterbacks than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. I disagree with that. Are you serious? Sam Darnold has been horrible. He's horrible. been really bad. Yeah. You, you've and always Mo, Sam Darnold, and it makes me. Is PJ no Walker a better backup? Hell yes. no. No, he is not. You know PJ why? Walker's not a better backup. Because PJ Walker doesn't have a bunch of four interception games where he throws for 84 yards. Yes, he does. I think he actually has one of those. Darnold has more. He has one out of seven of his starts that was four interceptions. He threw no touchdowns and two interceptions against the Niners. He is a terrible quarterback. There's a reason why he was on their damn practice squad prior to starting that game against the Niners. P.J. Walker has never had a four-interception game in his life. I thought he had a four-interception game and he got pulled. No, he has a three-interception game, one, but he doesn't have a four-interception game. That's what I mean. Sam Darnold ain't it. I've never seen a quarterback get 56 games of experience and people still be like, mm, he might still be good. Like, <laughs> I've never seen that before. Did, did you see the Jared Goff interview on Rich Eisen this week? No. What did he say? I thought it was interesting in particular because of Sam Donald. They asked him, hey, you were a number one overall pick. You took a while to get going. You had a player. You had a coach who gave up on you and traded you away. All of that. How long do you think a quarterback should get as a starter before you can make a definitive decision on them. He said three seasons takes three years. That's 51 starts. Donald has more. So I thought that was interesting. Donald has just enough to meet that criteria. So you should know that Donald Donald's not a starter, but as a backup, there's, there's backups that are worse and there's backups that are better. There's a lot of backups that are better. Gabriel Garoni says quarterback play isn't the biggest issue right now. Sam for one game doesn't worry me. Beating the Bengals will require the defense and running game to return to form, not chucking the ball all over the place. Without question, there are other issues on the team. The running game to me is the most concerning because the whole offense is centered around that. The running game has to work for everything else in the offense to function. And Christian McCaffrey is doing his best, Levin, but, you know, it's not been good the last two weeks. Let's put it this way. If the run game was what it's been in the last couple seasons. This team's 7-0 and right now. Both those games came down to trying to score right at the end to win the game, right? The run game has been terrible, and that's what we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo. When Jimmy Garoppolo plays like crap, two-thirds of the time, the run game was great and still won the game for them, right? Jimmy Garoppolo could make those mistakes because they're going to come out and they're going to run for five yards every single carry and just smash mouth, beat the crap out of the other team. That bully disappeared. That bully shrunk and yeah. disappeared. They are not beating anybody in, in the run blocking. They're averaging, I think it's like 3.2 yards per game the last two two games. They are not doing well. It's been uh, four games since Christian McCaffrey averaged four yards a carry. He has three straight not doing it. I think they need to mix it up more. I do think that Christian McCaffrey is getting tired and that that is having an effect. They need to mix it up more and keep him fresher. It wouldn't hurt. It's not like they don't have other good running backs on the roster. Uh, Chris Maldonado says, Rob admits Levin is the real deal. Clickbait, LOL. Much love and respect, Rob and Levin. 
Oh, Rob is a real fan. I was listening the other day just saying, yeah, I went on a rant with Vish at the end of the show about people claiming I'm not a, a real 49er fan that I just kind of lost it a little bit. So I apologize for that. But um, yeah, the ground game has to get better a thousand percent. Honestly, I wish that Elijah Mitchell would be the one that's not active on game days. I'll <laughs> yeah. take, give me Jordan Mason, even Ty Davis price. At least I'll, let me see it. Like, I feel like I've seen enough now with Elijah Mitchell this year. He has not been good when he's been in there. He hasn't. And so I just, to give him snaps over Jordan Mason and to keep Christian McCaffrey played every snap last week, every snap. Like why? He doesn't have to be out there for every snap. If this he, is what, sorry. What I don't get is if it's not working with Christian McCaffrey, why not try something else? They kept trying these super long drawn out runs, trying to get to the edge and they were failing every time. Christian McCaffrey was lucky to get a couple yards on those. Why not bring the guy in that's averaging five yards a carry that can run through the tackle and run it up the gut and see what happens? Like, I can understand if you brought in Jordan Mason for a drive and you ran him twice and he got three yards total and you're like, all right, the inside run isn't working either. But they didn't even do that. That's what I don't get. Like, okay, Kyle, quit being stubborn. Maybe you got got it full of yourself too. You thought, hey, we're scoring 30 points every single week. My game plans are perfect. I'm not changing anything. No, your game plan was not perfect last week. It wasn't perfect the week before. And you didn't change crap as the game went on. When is the last time that we saw them, hey, this run isn't working, and suddenly they go to the exact opposite and beat the crap out? We used to see that. That used to happen. There used to be adjustments at halftime, and the offense would come out and look completely different and start moving the ball. Five care uh, excuse me 15 carries for christian mccaffrey last week one for elijah mitchell one for george kittle and brock purdy had five two of those were sneaks and i think two were scrambles like you can you can do it differently kyle but it does seem like he's locked into the old school workhorse running back you know and, and it can be frustrating at times it's great when it works but the question is what do you do when it's not working and right now the last two weeks the offense hasn't worked and i get They've missed some field goals. They've had some turnovers. Christian McCaffrey has, uh, what is it, two fumbles inside the opponent's 10-yard line in the last three weeks. That's certainly not Kyle Shanahan's fault, but it's got to get fixed, and it's got to get fixed this week because this may be a week where you have to outscore the other team. This may be a week where you need a shootout type of situation, and you're going in with your backup quarterback against Joe Burrow, who now is feeling, to hear him tell it, as healthy as he's felt all year. Yeah, I don't want any cigars lit after this game. <laughs> right. Joe Burrow loves to light up the victory <laughs> cigar. I, th- this is this game does worry me quite a bit because th- the whole bye week for the Bengals, that's just unfair. <laughs> They're going to come in fresh. The Niners are clearly, I think, laboring at this point. They got a lot of injuries that are starting to pile up to some of the biggest names. They need that bye week, but they need this win first. Like I, I'm not going to keep harping on it. I don't think the season goes well if they lose this game. Gabe Garoni says the good old days when the Niners had a run of second half shutouts. I mean, they did only allow six points in the second half last week. I know the Vikings missed a field goal, but still they only allowed. It's not like they got lit up in the second half. The problem was they couldn't hold it down in the first half. Uh, Keenan Gims says would love to see Mason between the guards. Yeah, me too. And maybe we will see that this game. I hope we will. But I will say this, the Bengals, I went and looked. Not only are they 30th in average yards per rush allowed, like they're a terrible run defense, but running between the center and the left guard 
is where they're the worst. They, they're giving up over six yards per carry between the center and the left guard, and that's where Jordan Mason is best. So I want to see that. I I don't care if it's Mason or if it's CMC. I just want it to work. But like, if it's not working with CMC, give it to Mason. And I get that, like that, you know, you need your offensive line to block whoever the running back is. But Jordan Mason has played well enough to earn more snaps on the field. That's just a fact. And you don't need to run Christian McCaffrey as much as you have been. I I did like that they've been using George Kittle, or at least they used him last week. I love that. Please keep that up. George can do it, man. Do not leave him in the block. It, George Kittle, it, it's just weird. They can get him the ball when they want. They just don't want to if Debo plays. Yeah, he, he really does. I, I don't understand why you can't do both. <laughs> I don't get it either. 187 says something I've seen a lot on 49ers Twitter. Fred Warner looks tired in his podcast and has a big bruise on his leg. Yeah, that happens during an NFL season. Um, you know, no, I mean, you'd be tired too if you spent ran a thousand yards trying to catch up to somebody that you missed the tackle on. And they played, I think, what was it? 60 snaps or something last week. The Vikings had the ball for 35 minutes in the game. They ran 66 plays. It's a lot for a defense to be on the field. Usually you'd like your defense to be around the 40, 45 play mark. But this is the, the thing that's happened because the Niners can't get a three and out when they need one. Like they might be able to stop the other team, but not right away. The team gains a couple of first downs and then maybe the Niners slow them down. And that changes field position. It changes time of possession. It keeps the defense on the field longer. It's not like we have seen in recent years. That's for sure. The third down defense the last two weeks has been atrocious. Yeah. I can't remember how successful Minnesota was, but it was a lot. Eight of 13. Eight of 13. Like They've just been bad on third down. And I mean, we've harped on it already, but. To me, that's the soft coverage. When it's third and six and you give them an eight-yard cushion, guess what? They're going to convert. <laughs> right, because they only need to throw a four-yard pass and they can pick up the other two before you tackle them. Um, by the way, what would you do without me? You said a stat. Bam, I had it. I threw it right out there. You'd be lost without me. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Whatever you got to tell yourself. The frustrating thing is the Browns were three of 13 on third down, and they still worked the 49ers. <laughs> But I agree with you in general, the third down defense, especially if it's like a third and a running play. I feel like the other team gets it every freaking time. Well, the run defense has been, like I said, that, that bully went away. Yeah. And, and I said this with Steph this morning, as we wrap it up here, maybe the Sam Darnold thing, the fact that our starting quarterback is likely going to be out. Maybe that does provide the wake up call that this team needs. It's like, yeah, after Cleveland, they lost. But if they made the field goal at the end, they would have won. So we didn't really lose. And then they lost to Minnesota. And it's like, okay, we lost. Maybe we, you know, we're not going to go undefeated. But maybe now it's like, all right, wait a minute. Now we got Sam Darnold in. Brock is not here anymore. If we lose, now we're five and three. Then we will have lost three straight. We'll have given back almost all of this great start. Maybe this is the thing that sort of wakes everybody up and gets that urgency going. I don't know. But I, I have to hope for that because we have not seen the same edge to this 49ers team in the last two weeks. To sum up what you're saying is maybe the rest of the team's looking and going, oh, no, it's Sam Darnold. We need to raise our game up because that guy can't be counted on. Some of us have been saying that. Half of us on this pod. The other half is somewhat intrigued by Sam Darnold, which blows. I'm not somewhat off. intrigued by Sam Darnold. I just don't think he's worse than half the backups out there because backup quarterback 
in the league is not a good place to be. Like, they're not good. Do you know that Sam Darnold is basically the bizarro Brock Purdy? Like, all of Brock Purdy's good attributes are mental. All of Sam Darnold's good attributes are physical. The, the things you have to worry about with Sam is not his arm strength, right? It's, does he make the right decision? Does he throw the ball right to the defender? So it's going to be weird to see that shift. And it's also going to be refreshing to see a quarterback that could sling it a little bit. Cause you're going to see some of Sam's throws. You're going to be like, Whoa, that was, that was a laser. Cause we've kind of gotten used to Brock Purdy. He, he kind of throws a different speed. You're going to be saying, Whoa, for either really good reasons or really bad reasons. Yeah. You're going to be saying, Whoa, a lot with him playing it. Look, like I said, 50% of the time, he's going to be everybody as good as Brock Purdy can be. It's the other 50% that you're worried about, and you never know which one you're getting. 50% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> Buckle up, everybody. Whatever happens, we'll be live after the game on the YouTube channel here. Make sure you like and subscribe. Hit the little bell, and you'll be notified every time we go live, which is at least once every weekday. Are you going to join us on the Instant Reaction this week, Levin? Yeah, my parents will be visiting, but uh, they can piss off and sit upstairs while I talk to you. Piss off, mom and dad. I need to talk about football. That's the kind of dedication. <laughs> I will be doing pumpkin carving prior to football and then uh, football Sunday where I got grandparents. So it's not on all on me of my kid. I want to play. I want to play. Football's on. Let's watch football. Play with your grandpa. I'll see you later. No, we appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of that. So, again, please join us. Uh, it's always so much fun. Everybody hops in. We interact. Yeah, mm, I wouldn't say it's always so much fun. It's always interactive. But the last two weeks have not been very fun. Well, yeah, I guess not. But I guess I'm biased by the fact that the 15 games that they won before that kind of uh, skewed my view a little bit. But nonetheless, join us for some interaction okay we'll, we'll promise that and hopefully more but we'll see Levin, have a great thursday everybody enjoy the rest of your thursday we'll talk to you after the game i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com specialoffer.